One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups, no more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. This week, our listener feedback is an embarrassment of riches. Today, we'll talk about liberal intolerance, remarks from President Obama and Loretta Lynch, and our tendency to lose nuance on social conservatism. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of The Briefcase. Before we get started, we wanted to say thank you. You guys have started calling in with voicemails and it's so amazing to hear your voices and we're going to play a couple of those in just a second and if you want to call in the number is 859-568-2330 so give us a call and let us know what you're thinking the first uh, listener voicemail that we're going to play for you comes from debbie and she's referencing an article in the new york times entitled a confession of liberal intolerance That article is a really interesting look at how academia perceives conservative ideology. And the writer talks about how when he posed the question, 
is there some discrimination against conservative and um, evangelical Christian ideas in academia? He got responses that sort of proved that thesis out. Uh, One that stuck out to me was someone saying, hey, let's make academia more inclusive by starting to hire idiots. You know, so it was a really aggressive response. And the author noted that in a lot of disciplines, it's easier to find someone who professes to be Marxist instead of uh, it's easier to find a Marxist than a Republican. So it was a really interesting article. And let's listen to what uh, Debbie, who is in that world in the social sciences, has to say. Hi, Beth and Sarah. This is Debbie, also known as DBRHCHN on Twitter. I just wanted to follow up about the New York Times article uh, that talked about the lack of conservatism in social science academia. Uh, this is definitely something I have encountered as someone who has a PhD in social work. And um, and most recently, it was something I encountered while reviewing a syllabus for a class I was about to teach. I had actually discovered that the professor from the last semester actually had a class session where they had talked about how conservatism is bad and can't have any alignment with social work. Um, as someone who considers himself a moderate, and I guess is your typical uh, purple highland, I definitely uh, have things that I agree with on both sides. Um, but within the classroom, my approach is more that I want students to always hear all sides because I think it makes them better critical thinkers. And in the end, it will make them better social workers because you never know what the perspectives are of the people that you'll be working with. So you need to have a better understanding of why someone's having these thoughts about life before you work with them. Those are my thoughts. I hope you guys have a good discussion about this. Thanks. So I thought her feedback was great, and she's not the only one that sent this article to us. And it sort of overlaps with another thing I wanted to talk about, which was President Obama's commencement speech at Howard, because he talks about this too. He says, there's been a trend around the country of trying to get colleges to disinvite speakers with a different point of view or disrupt a politician's rally. Don't do that, no matter how ridiculous or offensive you might find the things that come out of their mouth. Because as my grandmother used to tell me, every time a fool speaks, they're advertising their own ignorance. Let them talk. Let them talk. If you don't, you just make them a victim and then can avoid accountability. That doesn't mean you shouldn't challenge them. Have the confidence to challenge them and the confidence and the rightness of your position. It's a little different, but I feel like it's a similar theme, which is the idea that colleges, you know, you can't allow anything that is sort of, except for liberal progressivism, either in speeches or in professors. And we talked about it on a, an episode at the beginning when we started Pantsuit Politics, too. I really struggle to have a reaction to this that doesn't take some of it personally. So I'm trying to step away from that. We've talked a lot on this show about how it it bothers me to assume that all people who have center-right or right-leaning philosophy must be fill-in-the-blank, must be ignorant, must be racist, must be sexist. I mean, I don't think there is complete ownership in the Democratic Party of the high road on those issues. And I also think that your perspective on what the role of government is does not necessarily equate to what your perspective on how society ideally looks and operates, you know? So I, I just... I guess my contribution to this issue is continuing to engage in our discussions in a public forum to say, look, y'all, I I might not want to get to the same result that you do through the same means, but often we're going to agree about the value of all people. I just, it, it bothers me enormously to see the vitriol 
directed at these ideas and people who hold them. Now, I'm not going to go into victim mode. I think that's where we do ourselves a disservice on the Republican side, acting like we're persecuted or something. Like, that's ridiculous and not helpful Mm. and also ignores all kinds of built-in privileges that those of us saying those things hold. So I don't want to go too far with any of this. But I do think it's important to step back and say, wait a second, why have we... Granted, the modern Republican Party is not doing a great job representing its ideas. (laughs) 100%. That doesn't mean those ideas are inherently bad or inherently racist, sexist, whatever, you know? Yeah. I think it's a couple things. I understand the passionate reaction to many conservative thinkers or conservative ideas I think you see so much of this in the overlap between, and this sort of will get into what we were going to talk about in a minute, which is the our, our, how we lose our, neon, our nuance with social um, conservatives and evangelical Christians. So much of this, I think, comes from the overlap of conservatism, evangelical Christians, and what I personally and ethically feel is homophobia. That's where I think things get really dicey, and I think that's where some of this comes from, because it's one thing, you know, no one is protesting conservative thinkers or conservative professors or conservative ideologies because they like small government and are business friendly, like, or maybe some of the business friendly stuff, but like, that's not the issue. The issue is for me in particular is how do you say sort of what we were talking about with Donald Trump? How do I draw a line in the sand and say, it is never acceptable to me to classify homosexuality as wrong or as a sin because I think there are people's lives on the lines and for me personally even as someone who used to believe these things I feel like there's just there has to be at some moment where we say no certain beliefs are harmful to other people and it's not that you can't believe them but you also can't get offended when someone stands up and says your beliefs are harmful to me both things can be true I, th- I I kind of lean toward President Obama. I mean, even if it's Ann Coulter, just let her talk, you know, just let her say the offensive things she's going to say, and then we can go from there. I don't think I don't think blocking out those opinions is ever beneficial, although I think it's a little harder when you're talking about somebody teaching. I don't think even holding the belief that homosexuality is a sin and that homosexuals should not be allowed to get married should be sort of a barricade to being a, like calculus professor I don't know it's just hard you know both things are true even if somebody holds you know racist or like I've said before even if somebody holds racist or sexist or homophobic beliefs that's not all that's not the entirety of who they are as a person and I think that's what's hard to always sort of keep in mind because if you're a person if you're a gay person then those beliefs do they they feel like they assault and they go to the core of who you are. So I can imagine it's very difficult. It's difficult for me and I'm not gay, but just as a somebody, you know, who loves gay people and who has gay friends, like I don't know I don't know how to draw the line between this is not acceptable, it's harmful, and keep my nuance and my perspective of, well, that that belief is not the entirety of who you are as a person. I don't know. It's just hard, y'all. <laughs> Before we talk about the social conservative evangelical Christian aspect too much, I do want to go back and challenge one thing you said. I think there is occasionally um, some intolerance of small government perspectives on their face because I have encountered in discussions an assumption that if I don't think the government is the solution, I must be ignoring the problem. Hmm. You know, if I challenge 
our entitlement programs, I must hate poor people. If I don't believe the Affordable Care Act is a good idea, I must not care about sick people. That's just not true, right? And a lot of times on our shows, when we're trying to solve a problem together, we really focus in on what problem are we trying to solve and what result do we want? That's why we started out the Affordable Care Act discussion with, we all want people to have access to quality health care and, and we don't want that access to bankrupt them. We agree on that. Right. So we might have different ways to get there and we might have different concerns about the implications of those ways. But don't put me in a category that I don't care about people because I don't agree with the solution coming from government every time. And I think that is a part of intolerance in academia. And I would imagine in the social sciences, that's a huge issue. I can totally understand not wanting to wander onto a college campus as a sociology professor. I, I can mm-hmm. see that. And, and that having, even if you put all the social issues aside, which I do put in a different category, because like 90% of the regular humans, not legislators, but just regular humans I know who are Republican would agree with you in marriage equality is important. Whomever wants to adopt a child and provide a loving home for that child should do it. You know, we should all use whatever bathroom we want to use. Like, I think it's such a small contingency of people making noise about those issues. Now, do some people quietly hold those hold hold viewpoints and kind of cast judgment on that stuff? Sure they do, but it's not the priority in their legislative agenda. And I would submit to you that there are Democrats in that category as well. So, you know, before we move on to the social part, I I just want to say that I, I do think there is an intolerance of small government philosophy because it gets viewed through this lens of if you don't agree with me, you must not care. Well, and I think honestly, for me, what's so hard, the discussion really always has to be sort of separated between Republican sort of establishment leadership and conservative everyday people. So I don't think 90% of the conservatives that I'm around in my daily life have no problem with marriage equality. First, let me say that. I think the number is much lower. And we live in different, in very different communities also. But I think that, you know, honestly, I think the reason people get so defensive when conservative particularly when I say it's so hard. So when I, when Republican elected Republican officials make this point, the reason I personally get defensive is sort of, you made this bed, you know, in the eighties, you weren't, obviously you were like two, so you didn't have anything to do with this, but the Republican party made a decision. They made a decision to be the party of conservative Christians and evangelical Christians. And they made a very concentrated effort to say, We're going to put our eggs in this basket, the basket that says women should not have the right to abortion. Gay people are not okay. I mean, this I mean, it's not an accident that people link these things together. And it's not an accident that you've gotten to the point where not because I think everyday people care so much. I think Donald Trump's done a decent job of saying that maybe they don't. Maybe they really do care about things that are affecting their everyday lives more than these social conservative issues. But the Republican Party made that choice. And so people link all this stuff together and get defensive, I'm not really sure they're being completely sort of, I I got a little bit of you made your bed with the the Republican Party, not like I said, not just sort of everyday conservatives. Yeah. And I think the question is, how's that working for you, Republican Party? You know, and it's it's not. And 
And where I struggle in making some kind of party identification, then I don't think that what is good for the country is for me to say, then I abandon that party. Because as we've discussed, there is value in two healthy parties. There's value in more than two healthy parties. But you don't just want everyone to be a Democrat. Like, that would not be good for America. That would not be good. No. And I appreciate you recognizing that because sometimes I think that that recognition has kind of left us. Because the Republican, just because the Republican Party has turned itself into an ineffective disaster doesn't mean that we should all... (laughs) I'm sorry. That was so great. It's just true. You know, does it... The best thing for us is not for all of us who have center-right philosophy about government to hop on board the Democrats' train. That's right. my perspective. And and I think that there is such be, – because people view the Republican Party as it is today, represented by a small fraction of the people, I think there are, like, lots of assumptions layered onto the rest of us. I was thinking about this uh, Facebook message that we got early today or maybe late last night that said – and it was a good-spirited message. I have gotten a couple mean-spirited things lately. That's okay. But this one was not mean-spirited. <laughs> um, but, you know, this one said, I can lose my nuance sometimes listening to you talk about how you dislike President Obama and Hillary Clinton. And it really struck me because I thought, I don't know that I even feel dislike toward President I would not Obama. describe you as dislike. No, I would not describe you that way. I, I mean, I have criticism of them and I have mm-hmm. differences with them. But I don't really feel this sort of personal dislike about them. And the only thing that sort of stokes that feeling in me is when I hear them talk about Republicans in the way that we're talking about with this in connection with this article. That's the only time that I feel something sort of personal about either of them when I hear them paint Republicans with this really ugly and broad brush. And I know that a lot of that's just the reality of Yeah. And I think think they are almost talking about percentage i feel like almost every time or at least this is how i always hear it they are talking about republican leadership they're not talking about they're not stupid enough to be like you know what i'm gonna call every republican voter ignorant i don't think that i sincerely do not think barack obama or hillary clinton feel that for one thing and even if they did i don't think they'd be dumb enough to say it i think they're talking about mitch mcconnell and republican leadership and people who like i said sort of the ineffective disaster ring of the Republican Party. That's who they're talking about. I mean, that's who you got to think that's who Barack Obama's frustrated with. If you hear Barack Obama talk about everyday America, that's not how he talks about it. He is an optimist to the core. He's t- I mean, and that podcast I talked about a few weeks ago with Marion Robinson, I think is her name, where he was like, if you go he, and he says this, if you're in D.C., that's not the America and you go out into regular America, people don't talk to me like that. People are respectful. People, even who people who disagree with me, even that, you know, like that coal miner and Hillary Clinton, the guy who was like, why did you say that? What did you mean? Like that's, they're used to that. And I think they're completely comfortable with that. And I think they have a massive amount of respect for people who will come and ask those questions of them. But I think when they're painting with a broad brush, they're talking about Republican leadership who create the caricatures of themselves. It's not the Democrats, you know, doing that. They're just responding to it. I feel like those guys are their own worst enemy. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, 
is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college, y'all. He's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy well in my response to this listener in among other things said you know i'm interested to see what hillary clinton does to reach out to republicans in the general mm-hmm. election because i have no doubt that she will so i'm interested to see how she approaches that but i mean i think our conclusion is well and you know what else i'll say really quick before we conclude I know how you feel because I feel that way sometimes when Bernie Sanders talks about Hillary Clinton. Like, I feel that sort of clenching up, even Bernie Sanders supporters. Like, it's so frustrating to, like, be painted with a broad brush and to feel like they're talking about the candidate you support or the party you represent as ugly and, you know, broken and corrupt and all these things that you know not to be true from your perspective anyway. So, I mean... I 
I get it. I, I feel like I understand at least a little bit just from this recent primary, like, and even really in 2008, like you just get so defensive. Like, that's not how I feel. That's not what I see when I look at her. Like, why are you talking so, why are you being so mean about it? I get it. And I work on that because I really do believe that being defensive in any conversation is the end of that conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think any of us in our personal relationships, our business relationships, our political relationships can truly engage with other people in a helpful and productive way if we get too defensive. So I try to check myself on that. And that's why I was surprised to hear the word dislike, because I think I sort of actively practice respecting, you know, people from, from across the aisle and, and what they bring to the table. And I guess I would say that's maybe our conclusion on the academia front. We, we are not served by this imbalance of ideology on our campuses. Mm -hmm. If you are a student, you are not served by censoring the speech that you hear. Certainly there are limits and you are entitled to react to those limits, right? You're you know, speech should be met with more speech. And I, I just think that we are really going to regret in the future if we allow the Republican Party and all of the worthwhile ideas represented there. And, and if and you've got it, it's like the, like we said about the Affordable Care Act. There's so much you have to be able to pick out some pros and cons, right? Yeah. You can't just flush all of it. So well, that's if, my other favorite part from, not to keep going back to Obama's speech, but y'all, it's so good. You got to read it. He says this, he uses this quote from Zora Neale Hurston, which I'd never heard before. Nothing that God ever made is the same thing to more than one person. I thought that was so good. Yes. I like like that, that gets too. the heart. That's, that's all of it. That's nuance. That's paradox. That's the complication of every human being all wrapped up in one sentence. like, And that's what you should always keep in mind when you're talking about these things. And a really quick side note, if you have young children, there is this wonderful book, A Tale of Two Beasts. Have you read this, Sarah? No. It's amazing. Um, it's, it's a story about a little girl who sees an animal in the woods and takes it home with her. And it's told first through her eyes and then through the animal's eyes. And it is like nuance in a book for five-year-olds. So we'll link it up in the show notes. It's terrific. But it's a great way to get your child thinking about that exact topic. So you want to talk about social conservatives now? Sure. <laughs> I feel like we did a little bit. Well, here's here's what I want to say. I I definitely am not nuanced on this topic. And let me confess why that is. A thing that I'm horrible at in all aspects of my life is going along with something that I don't understand. And I try to understand lots of things that I don't agree with. Like I don't have to get my brain to agreement to get to understanding. Right. So if I can understand where someone's coming from, even if I think it is completely ineffective, completely divorced from my perspective, I can still respect it and like move forward. I struggle when I just don't understand it. And here's what I don't understand about being socially conservative. I, I understand having all of the ideology that backs being socially conservative. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in an extremely conservative and traditional kind of community. So I, I understand why people believe what they believe. I don't agree with it. It's not my understanding of God or the universe or anything else, but I, but I get it and I respect people of faith around their faith. It's confusing to me, both from a spiritual and political perspective, I'll be honest with you, to seek to impose any of that on other people. Mm -hmm. 
part of the reason that I hold the faith that I hold is because I think it is awe-inspiring to consider a creator who chooses to allow people to behave freely, right? Like that's part of what I think is amazing about my understanding of God. So from a spiritual perspective, I don't understand not allowing other people to act freely because I I believe that we're supposed to emulate the love and care that we feel from the creator, not to go too far. I mean, don't don't turn this off if you're like not a religious person because I'm done with that now. But... (laughs) From a political perspective, and I've talked about this um, in connection with our abortion discussion, it's hard for me to understand believing in restricting the power of government, but then expecting government to enforce your faith on other people, whether directly or indirectly. I just can't get my brain around it. I don't think that everyone who holds these viewpoints, I don't I don't think many of the people who hold these viewpoints are are bad people. I completely agree with you that... I don't want to be defined by any single trait that I have. So it's not that I dislike people of of this persuasion, but I just don't get it. And so I, I, I'm not a good representative of it um, in terms of our left, right. I get that that's my huge right deficiency. I just don't have it. I don't, I don't believe it in connection with my faith or my politics. I, I, I don't mean to disrespect anybody by that. I just, I can't get my brain there. I was also raised... Southern Baptist. I've talked a little bit about this on the podcast. Um, and I left the church in college and did not return to any church for 10 years until I was confirmed into the Episcopal church mm, a year or two years ago. I don't remember exactly how long. I think religion and politics is, have always gone hand in hand for me in a very emotional way. So I tend to react very emotionally when they overlap (laughs) because a very specific form of social conservatism was harmful to me. It was harmful to people I love. And I'm very defensive about that particular brand of evangelicalism. Now, what I will say is, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, you know, I grew up in the Baptist church and it always made me feel not good enough. I just never felt good enough. And she said, you know, it's so funny, I grew up Catholic and I'm a Baptist now because I feel the exact opposite. I feel like it makes a space for me to feel like I don't have to be good enough. So I don't, you know, my experience isn't representative in any way, shape or form. That particular brand of social conservatism that I think has begun to stand for hate and homophobia and judgment is not in any way, shape, or form representative of everybody that is a Christian, everybody that is an evangelical Christian, everybody that is a Southern Baptist evangelical Christian. And I understand that. And I mean, I don't know if we need a new word or a new way to describe the group we're talking about. And maybe we're not really describing a group. Maybe we've created a caricature that is an easy way to talk about the type of beliefs that we're trying to describe i mean i, I don't that's know right but. yeah i think that's right I, I do not think it's a homogenous group i was sitting here as you're talking thinking about one of my favorite people on earth who would call himself an evangelical christian and how uh, he, he would he would never um line up behind ted cruz or donald trump and and that lens for him means caring for all people mm-hmm. and upholding the dignity of all people 
I mean, I think there are a lot of evangelical Christians in the Bernie Sanders movement, right? Because yeah. they they believe in this idea of economic justice. And so I think you are, are dead on that we're not really describing a group. And, and I think we do need a different word for people who are maybe single issue voters around around gay marriage. Right. Yeah. Or and I struggle, honestly, with single issue voting around abortion on either side. I mean, I know as many pro-choice single issue abortion voters as pro-life single issue voted abortion voters. I respect all of those perspectives. I just another thing I struggle to understand is single issue voting. So you know that that's my deficiency when i can't get my brain there i just can't be as nuanced but i but i think a good starting place in challenging myself on that is to consciously come back to this idea that it's not a monolithic group right Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible and skincare is a huge piece of that I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. 
Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. And so for me, I think that what's what I always have to keep in mind is sort of my, instead of, like you said, these single issues, more the the broad idea, the, my broad values as a voter, as a person. Whenever there is an approach to an issue or a belief set that closes doors, that excludes, that takes a group of people, makes them other, and then tries to force them out, that's when I go sort of mama bear. That's when I get less than nuanced, pretty defensive, because that's not, for me, that's not the role of religion. That's not the role of government. That's not the role for us as human beings. My new favorite quote is, God is not above us. God is between us. And so, you know, I, 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 I subscribe to the religion of love and acceptance. And this might be a good place for me to say my, the other thing I wanted to bring up in this episode, which was Loretta Lynch's speech with regards to the, the lawsuit that the um, Justice Department filed against North Carolina be- because of its discriminatory bathroom law. And that's how I'm going to describe it because that's what I feel like it is. But I have to read this. It brought, and I'm probably most likely going to cry when I do, but she said, let me also speak directly to the transgender community itself. Some of you have lived freely for decades. Others of you are still wondering how you can possibly live the lives you were born to lead. But no matter how isolated or scared you may feel today, the Department of Justice and the entire Obama administration wants you to know that we see you, we stand with you, and we will do everything we can to protect you going forward. Please know that history is on your side. This country was founded on a promise of equal rights for all, and we have always managed to move closer to that promise, little by little, one day at a time. It may not be easy, but we'll get there together. Oh, I don't know. I'm crying now. I kept it together. I think that's really lovely. Oh, it's that that is that is that's it. That's my val. That's my values with regards to government in particular, all in one beautiful little paragraph. I think it is so wonderful. That is like West Wing level writing, too. Just P.S. I guess I have two things. So if I try to think about the perspective of people who are not going to react positively to this. The the first thing I would say is I understand uh, something I hear a lot lately, and, and, and this is not wrong. You know, statistically, transgender issues are such a dominant part of the national conversation right now. And and it is a statistically very small percentage of the population. The, the population that we know about in the transgender community is statistically very small. So I hear sort of why are we having such a dominant conversation And I would say, well, one, I think that's been mostly created by people resisting Mm. that population. And the other thing I think that is important to remember is our country is this careful balancing of majority and minority rights. Everything in our Constitution, everything the framers set up was intentionally designed to balance those two things. We are both a democracy and a republic. We have a legislature and a judicial branch. You know, we're meant to wrestle with minority issues um, I, I think that's how we were designed. So so I would say, one, if we could all just live and let live, 
we would be in a better place and it, it wouldn't be a hard part of the conversation because we would just do that. We would just respect people. We would just acknowledge them as people and not worry about it. And two, I think this is an appropriate role of the Department of Justice. I think this is part of why the Department of Justice exists. And you might not agree with the position, but I think structurally, this is the role, right, to balance the majority viewpoint with perhaps the minority viewpoint. Although I have to say, you know, public opinion wise, I just I don't know that the public is where our legislatures are leading us. And that's why the other reason I tend to lose my nuance about this topic broadly of the influence of Christianity and social conservatism in the Republican Party is I I don't like sort of the litmus test of like, how strident can you be on these issues that is imposed on a lot of our legislators? I just I I think Mm. We have legislators now who probably don't even care about a lot of this, who sort of try to to out religion each other. Yeah. Well, this I, I mean, I heard the state legislator from North Carolina on the Diane Room show and he was like, I sort of really didn't know what this meant. And then one of my students who has to deal with this issue and who's transgendered called me and I felt really bad. And now I wish we hadn't passed it. I mean, that's basically what he said. Like he was like, I didn't really know what we were doing. Great. Yeah, I that's depressing <laughs> on so many levels. Yeah, yeah. But I know also, well, they did do it really fast. Right. It was like a emergency 12-hour session in right. his defense. So, and I think that was on purpose. So, I guess the commitment that I would make to especially the very kind and thoughtful listener who first brought this issue up with us is we will do better, you know, and we will try to mm-hmm. um, continue our stance on civil rights issues. I don't think either of us are going to change our minds about any of these issues. Well, maybe what we talked about, though, is the answer, saying talking about a, a particular approach to an issue or an idea instead of describing yes, it as a group absolutely. Of so we will do, we'll do better. We're 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 always trying to do better here. At that's Pants sort of that's sort of the point, right? <laughs> I was thinking about, so I was talking to someone who didn't know that we did this, and I was trying to describe what we do, and, and, I, and I ultimately came to, I don't think either of us are here to recruit more Democrats or Republicans or win any argument or convince anyone of any particular perspective. It's more just we can do better in how we think and talk mm-hmm. about these things. And on that note, we're working on an episode to address a very wonderful voice message that we received Uh, from a listener in Colorado about since last Friday, we sort of said, here's how not to talk to Trump supporters. Um, We'll do uh, how we think you might approach Trump supporters and other people with whom you disagree. So I'm excited about that. I'm scared, but I'm glad you're excited. You can be excited. Okay, I'll take the excited burden. So thank you. Before we wrap up the show, thank you to Kathleen and Charlie for their incredible donate generous donations to Pantsuit Politics. And as always, thank you to Nicolette Page and Sydney, our big all star subscribers. The t-shirt situation is growing increasingly grim. If you want a gray Pantsuit Politics t-shirt, you better get one now because we have like two left. And we have plenty of the red left, though, if you want some of the red. Thank you again for joining us for The Briefcase. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Keep it nuanced, y'all. 